brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, and say to it, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life, and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Good morning. Welcome to Pentecost Sunday. Would you stand with me? We're going to teach you a song. Saturday was silent. Surely it was true. Since when has people ever silenced you? Friday's disappointment. This Sunday's empty too. Since when has the possible ever stopped school? Let's teach you the chorus. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the grave like a dead man walking in. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones on the land. Yeah. Pentecostal 
We invite you into this place. Thank you that you are here. We pray that you'll be glorified in everything that happens. God, we just want to lift you up. We want to elevate your son. So, Spirit, move among us, we pray today. Amen.
good morning. We're going to come to a time of prayer. So whatever posture you feel comfortable praying this morning, we invite you to do that. Lord Jesus, we come here this morning to worship you. That's the whole reason that we're here. We don't come here for anything else than to lift you up. And we know that when we do that, we are changed. You do something to the way that we see. You do something to the things that we go after. You do something in our hearts. You do something in our families. You do something in our lives. And so today, we lift you up. We lift you up above anything else. Above any issues that we have right now with someone else. We lift you up above any kind of difficulties that we might be having. We lift you up above all of the good things that are going on. We lift you up because you are worthy. And we love you and we want to know how to love you more. And so will you do something in us today, Jesus, that only you can do? Will you start to rattle these dry bones? And do something in us that brings a new life in a new way. Because that's what you do. You're all about doing new things. And so we want to join in in that work. We love you, Jesus. We do this in your name. Amen. Well, welcome. And just so you know, today is Pentecost Sunday. And do you know what that is? Well, it's the birthday of the church, and we celebrated Emma's birthday this weekend, but this is much, much bigger. This is when God sent his spirit to live in us. I've been uh, thinking about the, the verse in 1 Corinthians that talks about you, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're celebrating today, that, that the spirit lives in us, that we walk around in this world as temples of this God that we serve everywhere that we go. Isn't that cool? That's super cool. I wanted to read something to you real quick um, because it was, oh, thumbprint. A guy named Rich online um, wrote this about Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday is not the celebration of an, an ambiguous spirit or force. It is the celebration of Jesus' ongoing presence among us. He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. In the sending of the Spirit, Jesus dwells with us and we with him. And so today we welcome you into this place that is just a gathering of little churches, little temples. We gather together so we can experience a brand new way of the Spirit working among us. And so we're glad that you're here. If you're here online, welcome. Um, But we're super happy to see all of you in this place. Um, I think that that's it for me, right? Okay. We are going to be switching things up a little bit, and we are going to come to the table right now. And so if you need to get communion elements going, you know, I was like, like, is this going to be weird? And I thought about all those times, like Thanksgiving, where, like, you eat at 2, but then you still hang around till 6, 7, 8, and 9. And so it's okay that, that we come to the table early, and, and we'll still have, have time to connect and, and have fellowship together. But I invite you, if, if you haven't gotten your elements, to, to grab them. Today's Pentecost. It's also Easter. Uh, it's Easter. 
It's also Sunday. And on Sunday, we always celebrate the resurrection. The resurrection that was made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit and the will of God, and it was all because of the obedient Son, Jesus. And so we celebrate what happened at that table right before his crucifixion. And on the night that he was gathered around with his disciples, they were celebrating the Passover meal. They were, they were remembering what God had already done for them. And they were celebrating the fact that they were still living in this freedom of God. Even though the landscape had changed, they were still under Roman oppression. And, and yet, they remembered the way that God is able to save and deliver. And so they had the elements, and at the right time, Jesus took the bread. But he didn't say the right words, at least not the words they expected. And he said, instead, this represents my body, which will be broken for you. Take, eat, and be thankful. And then he lifted up the cup. And he said, this cup represents my blood, which will be shed for you. Take that in for a minute. You are so loved that the creator of the universe would be willing to go to this extreme have a right relationship with you. He said, this represents my blood which will be shed for you. Take, drink all of it and be thankful. So we come to you today, Father. What a beautiful plan of redemption. We could never have planned it any better and we absolutely could never have well, we just don't have it within us to forgive and to make an atonement the way you did. Thank you, Jesus, for your obedience. For your obedience all the way to the cross. We celebrate you. We celebrate you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the power that you have that was able to raise Christ from the dead. May we, as we celebrate Pentecost today, remember, celebrate, and embrace that same power which you've told us is alive and at work within us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Wow, what a change up. I wasn't expecting that one for a second. <laughs> Guys, we're going to come to a time in the service where we pass the peace to one another. And, and I'm just, I'm reminded of the scripture that tells us you know, when you're coming to the altar to get your gift and you're, and you're going to receive what God has for you, he says, uh, he says, hold on, but if you have anything against anybody, leave your gift at the altar, go and fix it with them, and then come back and get your gift. And so we're reminded of the importance that Christ not only wants us to have a relationship with him, but also with one another, right? We're on a world full of billions of people and there's a reason for it. We're not supposed to live out our faith alone. And so we're reminded of that this morning as we pass the peace to one another. And so if you're joining us online, then go ahead and tag somebody. 
uh, you know, just share with them, peace be with you. And if you guys are here in, in, in the building, then uh, go ahead and give an air five, a wink, a wave, whatever the case is. I can't wait till we get back to squeezing each other's necks. But uh, for now, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Pass that piece to one another. How's it going? Bob? Guys, we've got a couple of announcements of things going on in the church. Uh, one of them is, the, if you get a book, it's called Not a Fan. Now, Garen gave me some insight a little bit more on this book here. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's asking the question, are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Jesus? And you see, there's a lot more to being a fan uh, of Jesus, right, than just being a fan. You want to follow after him and, and, and what he does. And so, uh, you know, it's being a follower. It's so funny, I was telling Garen this morning because... Uh, a couple weeks ago when I came up to do the announcements, uh, you know, I said, not a fan. Okay, I'm going to promote this uh, book because we've got a series that's coming up here in the summer. And, uh, and I started, pro- I know you guys, didn't, you guys didn't catch it, but I was actually saying like, you want to be a fan of Jesus. Uh, and, and Garen was like, yeah, you get the hint, Justin, not a fan. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, again, it's pushing us a little bit further. We don't want to just be that person uh, a distant away and say, yeah, I listen to the music and I, every now and then I hear it and I'll go to a concert every now and then. But we want to be true followers of Jesus Christ. We want to be sold out for him. And so that's what this book is going to talk to us about. We're going to be jumping into a series this summer. So feel free to grab the book so that you're not left out. It's a very, it's a popular book. It's been around for a long time. When we were talking about it, uh, Kim... Kimmy in the back said, hey, I got the book too, so you know, I'm excited to go through that series. And so just stay tuned, grab the book, and uh, let's have some fun this summer. Uh, one of the other things is we have an ocean baptism coming up in June. And so talk with uh, Pastor Gary and Jen about that. But an ocean baptism, first of all, baptism, isn't that amazing? Let's, let's give a round of applause for that. But then also on the ocean. Isn't that such an awesome you know, idea that we're able to have right here down the road? Just take a trip. And so let's be excited about that. As well as uh, we do have uh, the Lipscombs coming here in a few weeks. And so be excited about that. They're going to be joining us. And so uh, there's a couple of different ways that you're able to help them out. And we're able to welcome them here as a church. One of them is that uh, they're actually going to be coming next week with their first round of things to drop off. I hate moving. I hate moving. Uh, but they're going to be here uh, with the first truckload. And so if we want to help out with helping them unload, Pastor Garen is going to be sending out um, a Facebook invite when the, on the time that they show because, you know, things can change between that. So uh, be on top of our Facebook page, and he'll, he'll send out a video, hey, look, they're coming in tomorrow or so, and they'll be there to help out. As well as there's a couple different other ways. Uh, Jen actually has a list of a couple snacks that the kids like and a couple treats. And so uh, if you want to get that list or you want to participate in uh, the pickup of a couple of those things, just to welcome them. I mean, it's, it, you know, one of the awesome things to feel when you're going into somebody's home, when you're stepping into church, is to feel welcome. And as they come to participate and help us out in ministry here at the church, we want to really welcome them. And so as well as, uh, you know, if you, if you want to earmark anything for the offerings, uh, you know, just put Lipscomb there, Lipscomb welcome, and, uh, and we'll, we'll make sure that, you know, we, we, uh, we put it to good use to make them feel as welcome as they possibly can. All right. So stay tuned and uh, we'll give you guys some updates on Facebook as well. Uh, we're then now going to go into a time here of, well, we're going to continue our ties and I mean, we're going to continue worship 
This is an act of worshiping God where we're able to give back to him. And, and I'm excited about it because uh, I've said it many, many times. But it is the time, it's a moment where God allows us to truly give back to him and his ministry. And, uh, you know, there's so much that he has already done for us. And this is a time that we're able to uh, do something for him. And uh, as, as a reminder, as we go into this time, um, you know, if you, if you do also, we have the lip scones that you can earmark in there. But Dusty and Kim as well, uh, if you guys don't know, uh, Dusty was in a bad uh, motorcycle accident. And surprisingly, he was here the next Sunday after his accident. And so uh, and we have him here now in the back running sound. Uh, but obviously, um, you know, um, God has done his part keeping Dusty safe and with us. Uh, but that brace is not cheap is what I heard. And so uh, anyways, if, you, if, you, if God puts it on your heart, uh, feel free to, uh, to earmark as well a donation for uh, uh, Dusty and Kim and uh, what God has for them in the future. But um, let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for being a God that provides for us. The lights are on. And Lord, the truth is, even if they weren't on, you're here with us. And Father, I pray this morning that every heart would know that our God is not dead. But he's alive. Lord, you are active Lord, you're stirring in our hearts. It's what we talk about this morning, Pentecostal Sunday. It's the moment that the Spirit came in. And so, Father, I pray that your Spirit would move amongst this church. That you would anoint this time that we have here to worship you. Lord, bless it. Bless the offering. Multiply it. Bless those, Lord. And bless the ministries that it provides for. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, um, it's a privilege to be able to read scripture um, with you this morning. Um, But before we do that, let's pray our prayer for understanding. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Amen. I hear these words with great joy. So I will be in... um, the book of Joel, which is in the Old Testament, kind of near um, the end of the Old Testament, um, in chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. And Joel was a prophet in the Old Testament, and so you can hear these words. After doing all those things, this is the Lord's promise of his spirit. After doing all of these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants 
men and women alike. And I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and terrible day the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord has said. These will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. Ooh, it's kind of... I love that passage, but it does kind of... There's an awe and a mystery about it, right? I love... um, I love that about scripture, that there are passages that we can go, oh, that's, that's mysterious. And I love that about God, that we don't understand it all, right? Romans, book of Romans in the New Testament, chapter 8, verses 22 through 27. Romans eight twenty-two through 27. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children including the new bodies he has promised us. Amen. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example... We don't, know, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father knows all hearts. Who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. y'all doing? Good. I'm excited today. Um, in At the end of the service, we're going to have two people 
that are going to affirm their baptism. They've been baptized before, but they want to affirm it. It's, it's, um, it, it's going to be a beautiful time. But I don't want to miss the chance to talk a little bit about Pentecost. And so we're going to be um, in a place that I don't know that it would be the typical place for a Pentecost service, but that's okay. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 11. Yeah, I know. One of those riveting books of the Bible, Numbers. All you people that hate math are starting to sweat. It's okay. It's not, it's not about Numbers. But we're going to be in Numbers chapter 11. And I'm going to be summarizing passages because we want to, um, I want to get to what I feel like God wants to say. But I encourage you, write this down. Go back and read these passages that I give you later on. So Numbers chapter 11, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. So it's right near the beginning. I went to Deuteronomy, so I went too far. Numbers chapter 11. And I'm just going to summarize this for you. So, so here's what we have. We have the people of Israel. We have the Hebrew people. For hundreds of years, they were enslaved in Egypt. And they cried out to God, and God heard them, and God saw them, and God acted in a mighty way. God did what only God could do, and God did the miraculous. And God liberated the Hebrew people from Egypt. And God used a servant named Moses, and Moses was kind of the ringleader of the band as he marched Uh, what they say is over a million people out of Egypt into the wilderness, heading toward the promised land. And as is the case with people, um, well, there are glass half full and glass half empty people, and, and the people of Israel at this point were much more glass half empty than glass half full. And they would complain periodically, Frequently, regularly, they were complaining. They were always complaining about something. We're thirsty. Why did you bring us out here to die in the middle of the wilderness? Um, we're it just so God had already provided for them everything they needed, and yet at this point in Numbers eleven, we see the the, the Hebrew people. They're complaining because. They're tired of this provision of God called manna. They're tired of eating the same thing over and over again, and they just want some meat. Moses, why did you bring us out here? All we have is this little flaky manna. We just want some meat to eat. And so what happens is Moses, here's the complaints, and Moses begins to complain to God. Side note, we will most likely become most like what's feeding into us. And Moses hears the complaining and decides to complain. And Moses complains to God. It's like, God, why did you do this? You appointed me as the leader. You brought us out here. And now they're complaining to me. They want me to do something. I can't do anything. If you're expecting me to do something crazy, I can't do it, so you might as well go ahead and kill me now. 
You think I'm kidding. That's, that's literally what he says. Um, yeah, yeah. Verse 15. This is how you intend to treat me. Just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me the misery. Moses is sounding kind of like a valley girl right there. Spare me the misery. Um, and so this is what God does. We see in verse 16 that the Lord tells Moses, I want you to find 70 men. I want you to find 70 people that are trustworthy, that are good leaders. I want you to find 70 people that you can depend on. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my spirit that's upon you. And I'm going to put some of it upon them. And then they will be also filled with my spirit, and they will also help you do my work. And then God says, oh, and they're going to have meat. I'm going to feed them meat. And I love, uh, seriously, read Numbers, uh, Numbers 11. He says, I'm going to feed them so much meat, not for a day, not for two days, not for 10 days, not for 20 days. I'm going to feed them so much meat that they will be gagging at the thought of more meat. And Moses turns to God and says, wait a minute, what? How am I supposed to feed them that much meat? I mean, if we were to slaughter every animal we have, if we were to fish and catch every fish in the ocean, that would not be enough to do that. How do you expect me to do that, God? Isn't that the way we are a lot of times? God says he wants something done, and we assume that it's got to be done in our own power. And so we make excuses. Well, God, I can't do it, so it must not be your will. But God looks at him, and he says in verse 23, Has my arm lost its power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. You're right, Moses. You can't do what I'm asking you to do. It's because I didn't ask you to do it. I just asked you to gather 70 men. I said I would take care of that. You can't, but I will. And so Moses gathers the 70 men, and they're supposed to meet at the tabernacle, and the Spirit of God is spread upon them. And there were two guys, Eldad and Medad. And they relate to the party. I don't know if they had extra chores or if they got lost on the way to the tabernacle or whatever it is, but it says that those two, so 68 people are there with Moses and two of them are lagging behind. And it says that the Spirit of God fell upon those 70 men and they began to prophesy. They began to speak God's word. Now, just to make sure that we're on the same page. When we're talking about prophecy, we're not talking about like fortune telling or I can read into the future, let me prophesy what's going to happen. No. A prophet in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is nabi. And it means the mouthpiece of God. Um, another translation is a bubbling brook that springs up. Because when God's word is spoken, life happens. Like a bubbling brook. And so a prophet is someone that speaks the word of God into a situation. A prophet is the person that doesn't get their own agenda in the way. 
Instead, they allow God's agenda to be primary and they speak the words of God and their prophecy is the word of God, not their word. And so these guys begin to prophesy. And it's really cool because the two guys that were not there, they're still in the camp and they begin to prophesy. And it's like, holy cow, what's going on? These two guys are just starting to speak the word of God to whoever's around. They're not at the tabernacle. Well, Somebody runs and tells Moses, hey, you, we got these two dudes, and they're, they're prophesying. What do we do? And Joshua, Moses' right-hand dude, is like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, God, you need to tell them to stop. I mean, Moses, you need to tell them to stop. They can't prophesy like that. And this is what Moses says. It's in verse 29. Are you jealous for my sake? Are you afraid that I'm going to get my feelings hurt if they're prophesying God's word? Are are you afraid that I'm going to feel less important, less needed? Are you worried about me, Joshua? Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. And that the Lord would put his spirit upon all of them. You don't have to worry about me, Joshua. God's the one that gives these people God's spirit. It's not me, and it's God's to hand out to whoever God wants. And I wish that God would pour it on everybody. So now let's go, uh, let's fast forward a little bit. About 1,500 years to the book of John. We're in this... uh, final discourse of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Here we go. We're in this final discourse of Jesus. He's in the upper room. It's, it's the situation we just celebrated the Lord's Supper. This is the setting into which these words are being said. And we have Jesus, and he's with his disciples, and they're in the upper room, and Jesus does these awesome things, and Jesus says that, you know, Now's the time. And then he says, I'm going to die. And that kind of alarms some people. And Jesus says, don't worry. It's okay if I go away. Because I'm, I'm sending you someone better. I'm sending you something better. And in John chapter 15... Jesus says, I will send you the advocate. Some of your translations will say comforter or guide or counselor. I'm sending you an advocate, the spirit of truth. And he will come to you from the Father and testify all about me. So you have the spirit coming from the Father testifying about the Son. You have this triune God. You with me? And you must also testify about me because you've been with me since the beginning of my ministry. So, I've got the Spirit that's coming when I leave and you are going to also be responsible for testifying, for being my mouthpiece, for being the way that this message is dispersed. You with me? So then in... in 
chapter 16, just a couple verses down, we see this. Let's just read a little bit more about what this spirit's going to do, because that sounds like a really big task. Jesus is saying, okay, you 12, you're responsible. Well, let's back up. Let, let's, let's remember what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Jesus says he's going to go away, and he says, in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin, so he'll convict the world of sin, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. He'll convict the world of righteousness. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you'll see me no more. And then he says he'll convict the world of judgment. Judgment will come because the rulers of this world have already been judged. There's so much more I want to tell you, Jesus says. But you can't bear it right now. I think never were words more truly spoken. Oh my goodness. I want to tell you more, but you cannot handle it. When the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. Did you catch it? We have a model. We have an example. If we are to go and speak the way Jesus has said, we're not to speak what we want. We're to speak what we hear from God. And Jesus says the Holy Spirit's going to be your example. The Spirit of truth will come and he'll guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he has heard He'll tell you about the future. He'll bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So I'm going to be in communication with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. And it's going to be a blessing because the Holy Spirit is speaking my words to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So, Jesus says, i got to go away. You're not going to like how it happens. It's going to come through me dying. But it's all right because the Spirit, the power of the Spirit is going to raise me up. And then, after a time, I'm going to go back to the Father. I'm going to return, but I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to send someone back. I'm going to send my Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come and guide you, and to comfort you, and to speak to you, and to teach you, and to tell you what to say. I'm giving you this commission to go and tell other people about me, but you don't even have to do it by yourself. All you've got to do is listen to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say, just like the Holy Spirit hears from me and says what I tell the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is bringing honor to the Son, which brings honor to the Father. And we know the story. That's what happens. Jesus is betrayed. He's crucified. He's put in a borrowed grave. And Friday passes. And Sunday pa uh, Saturday passes. And Sunday morning on the third day, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is raised 
from the dead to the glory of God the Father. And then Jesus continues to be with his disciples for about 40 more days. In case there's ever any doubt that he wasn't really alive, he's with his disciples. He talks with them. He restores Peter. He helps Thomas in his doubting. It says multitudes see Jesus. This wasn't just somebody's idea in the back room. Hey, let's just tell everybody that he's alive. No, he was seen by countless people. And eventually we get to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It's the verse that was on the scripture, uh, on the video. And Jesus is getting ready to ascend to the Father. And it's as if he's saying, hey, I know a lot's going on. I don't want you to forget what I told you in the upper room. Remember, I said, you're going to testify about me. And you're not going to have to do it by yourself. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And they still didn't get it. In fact, in verse 7, I think it is, or 6, the disciples say, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Jesus, we thought you were going to be a mighty ruler. We thought you were going to overthrow the Romans. We thought it was going to be people of Israel, everyone else. And then you died. And we thought, well, that dream is dead too. But you're back. You're alive, so let's get this ball rolling again. How about we become strong? How about we become powerful? How about we take over the Roman Empire? How about we become the greatest people in the world? How about you restore our kingdom now? When's that going to happen? And that just wasn't the plan. In fact, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, when you pray, pray, God, your kingdom come. It's like after all this time, after seeing the miracle of, being, of Jesus being raised from the dead, they still didn't get it. and They still thought it was about them and what they could get out of it. And they didn't understand that the mission of God was bigger than that. And he says, no, no, no. What you're asking is the wrong thing. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to receive power. When will you receive it? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's going to empower you to do some things. You're going to be my witnesses. Remember when I said in the upper room that you are now responsible for sharing about me to others? You are responsible for telling people about the great news of God? And I said I was going to send you someone? This is what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to be witnesses and you're going to tell people about me everywhere. And just in case you don't know, think of these as like concentric circles. It's like Jesus is saying in Jerusalem and in Judea, which is the region, and in Samaria, and then the sky's the limit. We're going to go all the way to the ends of the earth. This is not about you and your kingdom. This is about the restoration and redemption of all things and God's kingdom. You have not been recruited. Jesus is saying, I have not been recruited to fulfill your dreams. You have been invited to participate in God's dream. 
And it's bigger and better than anything you could ever scheme. So he's going to receive power. I wonder, do we ever think about the fact that we are the answer to Moses' prayer? God, I wish everybody had the Spirit of God upon them. I wish everybody would be ministering. I wish everybody would be speaking for God. I wish it wasn't just about the faithful few. I wish it was everyone had this Spirit of God upon them. And then Jesus says, almost like a nod to Moses, that was the plan. You you were seeing clearly, and now it's going to happen. And Jesus says, you're all going to receive the Holy Spirit. If you've been witness to what I'm doing in the world, you're going to receive power. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you are going to be my witnesses in your house to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your community, to your state, to your politics, to your missions, to every part of the world, if I'm Lord of your life, your job is to tell others about the Lordship. Your job is to tell others who is in control of your life because your life should be a canvas of the beauty of God. Your life should be so amazing that people are saying, How does Drew have it so together? And he says, man, it's not me. I'm just the vessel. God, through his spirit, is working in me, and I don't know why he chose me, but he chose me. Your job should be, Sherry, how can you like doing taxes? Well, it's not that I like taxes, but God's spirit is upon me. And when God's spirit comes upon me, I understand that everything I do is for the glory of God, even numbers. We are the answer to the prayer of Moses. My question for us today is, are we living into that answer? An answered prayer is a terrible thing to waste. Have you been there before? You pray, you pray, you pray for something to happen, and then it happens, and then it's like, they still don't get it. And you almost feel like it was a wasted prayer. Not that it was. Don't let your life be a wasted prayer. You are the answer to the prayer of Moses. Let that sink in. You have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Most High God resting upon you. Let that sink in. And it's not my job. I'm the pastor at this church, but it's not my job. It's our job. First Peter tells us very clearly that we are a holy nation. Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter. Sorry. I should have had this one tagged. In chapter 2 of of 1 Peter, he's talking about those people that reject God. It's like they've rejected the capstone, the, the foundation. And when you reject the foundation, the whole building is going to crumble. And then he says in verse 9, but you're not like that. For you're a chosen people. It's not the pastors are chosen. You're a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, there's an if-then. 
if you're a holy nation, if you're a chosen people, if you're a royal priesthood, if then, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to show others the goodness of God. We are called to be the answer to the prayer of Moses. And the good news is, you don't have to do it on your own. How many times do we feel like God's saying something and we stand back and we go, how could we feed 600,000 warriors? We could never provide that much meat. No. Is the arm of God weak? No. All you have to do is be an obedient, available vessel and God will do the rest. Make yourself available. Be the answer to the prayer of Moses. That's what we're called to be. That's what the birth of the church is about. It's when it goes from Jesus to the Spirit of God that rested on Jesus, resting on others, and they changed the known world because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because they were good enough or smart enough. They were all common men. But the Holy Spirit is not a common spirit. The Holy Spirit is much more. May that be our prayer today. Would you close your eyes? God, I pray that we will be living examples that you answer prayers because you answered the prayer of Moses and we are the proof. I pray that you will help us to be witnesses wherever we are. It will look different in each situation. But wherever we are, God, we're the canvas. We are the the visible representation of an invisible God. And we want you to display your beauty and your glory through us so that others can also come to know this Jesus. So that others can also be filled with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I pray for each of us. It doesn't matter where we are on our walk. There is a deeper level and a closer level that you're calling us to. Until we reach the other side of glory, you have called us to closer and deeper and you've called us to witness. Give us the power. We're not going to be able to do it on our own. We're not brave enough. We're not strong enough. We don't have the right words. We very much are like Moses. So send your spirit upon us so that our words are your words. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to come to a, a time of affirmation of baptism. And there may be some of you that have never been part of this, and that's okay. Um, Jen, I've been talking. Why don't you set the stage? (laughs)
Well, um, so many of us made a decision to follow Jesus at some point in our lives, and some of us, um, well, our parents had us baptized as children or as infants, and so we want to give people an opportunity, if that was the case, if if they had um, uh, maybe even been baptized as a teenager or later on in life and then um, moved away from their faith and want to come back, we want to give them an opportunity to reaffirm and say, yes, I believe this, and and I claim this faith as my own. And so we want to invite Elaine and Emma to come forward, and um, and we will walk us all through this um, affirmation liturgy. It's, it's a liturgy, um, so it's just words that we'll say, and you'll say, and they'll say. And um, so those words will be on the screen. So this is this is what I want you to do. Y'all, come on up. Come on up. Um, just like when someone comes up out of the water and we go nuts, samesies, okay? <laughs> I want you to celebrate along with um, our friends here who have made this decision for themselves. Um, so did that? Yeah, that was great. That was great. And so we're going to be addressing Emma and Elaine And they're going to have a couple of responses. And then we're going to address the church because we believe that we are called to community. And that the life of Christ is best displayed in community. And that we are called to help each other, hold each other accountable, encourage each other, spur each other on. And so you'll have some things to affirm as well. So you ready? Here we go. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We're incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. Since the earliest of times, the vows of Christian baptism have consisted first of the renunciation or the turning away of all that is evil, and then the profession of faith and loyalty to Christ. So parents and other sponsors reaffirm these vows for themselves while taking the responsibilities of sponsorship. Elaine and Emma were both baptized as children, and in keeping with early church practice, they come now to claim the covenant faith made on their behalf by their parents. So on behalf of the whole church, Elaine... Emma, I ask you, do you turn away from or renounce these spiritual forces of wickedness? Do you reject the evil powers of this world? And do you repent of your sins? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you put your whole trust in His grace and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? According to the grace given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives? In the world. 
Now, will you guys turn around. You can face everyone. Just turn around and smile because they have some things to say to you, too. <laughs> so, church, will you support these two? Will you encourage them in their Christian life? We will. Will you who support... Oops. Sorry, skipped one. Do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection, your turning away of sin, and your commitment to Christ? We do. Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include these two now before you into your care? With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the examples of Christ. We will surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their trust of God and be found faithful in their service to others. We will pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. Let us join together in professing the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. Do you believe in God, the Father? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. I'm going to have you two turn and face me and maybe take a step back so I can get in front of you. <laughs> Less water than your first baptism. Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> Let's pray. And there will be some words for you as well. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. Then you saw your people as slaves in Egypt. You led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land, which you promised. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare his works to the nations, his glory among all people. Pour out your Holy Spirit and by this gift of water call to our remembrance 
the grace declared to us in our baptism. For you have washed away our sins, and you clothe us with righteousness throughout our lives, that dying and rising with Christ, we may share in his final victory. I'll praise praise to you, you, eternal Eternal Father, Father, through your your Son, Son, Jesus Christ, Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Amen. So Elaine and Emma, you know, we, um, we celebrate Lent, and we put ashes on our forehead to remind us of our mortality, to remind us that... We come from dust, we return to dust. And I usually say, and only the cross makes the difference. Today, as we remember our baptism, I'm going to make the same sign of the cross in their forehead, except this time with water. Symbolizing that the Holy Spirit has truly taken you under the waters and brought you back into new life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is our prayer that we would all remember the work that you have done in our lives. Remember the new life that we have in you. And Lord, that we will become all that you have dreamed for us to be. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 As they return back, will you stand with me and let's sing our benediction. Wow, it's been a full day but a good day. Happy birthday, church. (laughs) Will you sing with me? We sing hallelujah. Let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Go this week in the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next week.